everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means, means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we delve into those reasons. This week I got to chat with Stephen King aficionado Justin Drebeck. I'm not a horror fan who's very familiar with King's work, although I've seen the remake of It and Pet Cemetery and things like that. Uh, so this was a conversation in which I learned a ton. Justin is a writer and we lamented the writing process and how sometimes you just can't figure out anything to write. And we want to know what Stephen King's secret is that motivates him to write and publish multiple books in every year. I'm sure you can relate Justin goes on a small, very welcomed political rant and gives his opinion on watching pandemic horror movies during the pandemic. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated and it really helps people find us. I think that's it. So let's get into this episode with Justin Drebeck. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, et cetera? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was uh, born in Michigan. I currently live in Portland, Oregon, and I read Stephen King a lot, and I like to write a lot. Awesome. Um, uh, so first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Ah, favorite scary movie of all time. God, that's a great question. I'm going to have to go with, and I, I said this a lot, I'm going to have to go with Scream, I think. I love Scream. I think it does a lot for the, uh, the did a lot for the genre, maybe be able to laugh when people are dying too, and <laughs> Craven is a genius, so Scream. Yeah, very solid pick. It's also one of my favorites, so co-sign there. Yeah, I'm, and I'm so stoked for the new one. I think they're uh, going to do awesome. Yeah, I I I hope it's awesome. The poster yeah. looks awesome. Yeah. I thought four was okay. It was fine. Uh, I love four, but the other yeah. one I don't love is three. That yeah, that's the one everyone hates. I love three. It's uh-huh. fine. That's I awesome. know. It's I an love it. unpopular I love opinion. People, I love when people love what they love and don't care about the <laughs> whatever the universe is like, oh, we all agree this one sucks. You're like, no, I actually like it. So Yeah, I will die on this hill. Hey, um, good hill to die on. <laughs> I won't join you there, but I'll c- celebrate your hill. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, well, cheers to that. Tell everyone what you're yes. drinking. I am drinking a Pelican Brewing Ale with raspberries. It's called Raspberry at Sea. I've shown it like the viewers can just model in it for you. There you go. Look nice. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? Um. Uh, my grandpa actually, and this was funny because he hated horror, but um, I remember, I don't remember this, but I got, when he passed away, I got this book called The Ghost Story, which was written by me and him, and I was probably like six or seven, and by written by me, written so well at seven, no, it's just like, I could barely understand what I was writing, and then it was just thick figures, but apparently I saw a ghost, and he sat down with me and like we wrote out this story so it's kind of cool to like see that years later not remembering it but that was my first experience where i'm like oh i've always loved this stuff yeah and then i've just sort of from then just sort of got into movies and then got into books and then slowly graduated to 
just reading horror a lot, and I love it. I love that's my favorite version of horror. I talk about movies a lot, but my favorite thing is books. Awesome. Yeah. We've had some horror bibliophiles on the show before. Um, so I know that you're a huge Stephen King fan. So when did you start being a Stephen King fan? And did it first start with his books or his movie adaptations? You know, it started with the books, but it's funny because I, for no reason at all, I hated him. Like when I first heard of him, I saw him at the bookstore all the time. I was like, I want nothing to do with this guy. He writes too many books. It's stupid. They're not going to be good. They're all going to be trash. And then it's about 13. I uh, finally bought a used copy. And I don't remember what book, but it sort of was the floodgate into that world. And then I sort of realized, like, oh, that movie that's shining was written by this guy. Well, the book. And then, you know, then I'll, I started clicking into place. And so it was a little combination of movies, but I just remember reading. Oh, I've told us on a podcast before what the first one was, but I can't remember. But it was like. 50% off at Barnes and Noble hardcover and I bought it and like started reading and I was like holy crap this is amazing and I've not looked back since and then I just got hooked and I was like I need to know every book he has ever written so uh, and now my library is pretty much just Stephen King books so when you invite someone over they're like oh do you like Stephen King a lot I'm like yeah I, I also like other books I still have the space to have them so I sort of kind of like other authors, like <laughs> like Joe Hill. Wait a second. Who is Joe Hill? Stephen King's son, one of his two sons. Ah, okay. also, also a horror author. Oh, okay. That's cool. Keeping it in the family. And so is his wife, which I've actually never read her books. And that's one of my biggest regrets because they're hard to find. And I'm sure they're wonderful. But like you have to buy Muse because they don't and print like his books, which is a joke, and it needs to change. Or maybe I'm wrong, and I just can't find where, they, where they're at, but I go to these bookstores, can't find them, go online, I can't find her books, and I want to read her books. Mm. That's, my, that's my goal. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite Stephen King book, and what is your favorite Stephen King movie adaptation? Oh, um, I say it's a, it's a complicated answer. My favorite book of his is 112263. My favorite story of his is The Stand. And then my favorite living sort of oh ever evolving thing is The Dark Tower. I'd say those are the three. Because because okay. I think The Stand is something that kind of continues to evolve and is going to add to he's, you know, rewritten parts or republished parts of it. All the adaptations of it are different. I love each one. 112263 is definitely my favorite novel of his. And then The Dark Towers just pretty much encompasses every Stephen King book almost in a oh. certain way because it all sort of connects and he's a character in it. So, Oh, wow. That sounds really interesting. I obviously yeah. have not read it. Um, I actually have never read any Stephen King novels because <laughs> I think that they're just going to be too frightening. I kind of want to read it just because yeah. there's so much that's not in the movies. But yeah. um, I, I do have a copy of Pet Cemetery that I got from my building's library a while ago. I haven't read it yet. But that, one's gonna, that one's going to scare you. Yeah. If you want to start out where I'd recommend it, start out with 112263 because it's not a horror novel at all. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know the premise of that one. It's about no. a character going back to save JFK from being assassinated to change the future for the better. 
So mm. it's really awesome. They did a great adaptation on Hulu with James Franco, which he is not so great, but <laughs> but he was great, and he's a great actor in it, and he played the main character in that, and that was on Hulu a couple years ago. Oh, okay, cool. I'll have to check that yeah. out, see if it's yeah. still there. Then favorite adaptation is probably Dr. Sleep. Okay, cool. Or Dolores Claiborne, which is another book you can read and not horror at all. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's nice. written a lot of non-horror novels. Yeah. He's, just I, sort of, he gets, he's known more for the, uh, the scary ones. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, have you ever had the opportunity to meet him in person? Mm-mm. No. And I don't know if I would even want to. It's just like that weird moment where I'm like, what would I say that no one said to him before? What would we even talk about besides that I like read his books? And I just, I'm not too big on like celebrity and like uh, being a fan. I just really like his writing and I just want to support him while he's still alive by buying his books. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> um, on a different note, have you ever been to Bangor, Maine to see his home and the locations that were, that inspired it? No, no. Um, I've been to Maine before, but I've never been to Bangor. And I've never done the Stephen King tours because I know they do those. It just, it really doesn't interest me. I, I love Maine and I would live there in a heartbeat if I could, if I could, <laughs> but it would have nothing to do with Stephen King. Yeah. Other than maybe I'd see him in a grocery store every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. My, my aunt lives in Maine, her and her family, they live in Maine and she says she saw him in like a Rite Aid once. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Uh, that's a great question. I think because it allows you to dive into the parts of your mind and parts of yourself that explore darker things that make, I think you just have, it's just a way in to explore yourself through someone else's art that is like transgressive and horrific but you come out thinking about like, oh well, let me apply it to my life. If that happened to me, how would I deal with the situation or if this is so unlikely to ever happen but I think it just puts you in a headspace where you just kind of except when weird things like a pandemic happens I think you handle it a lot better because you know you watch the stand or you read those books about outbreaks happening and you're like okay you know what I think I think I can handle this because I know what I need to do excuse me Definitely. I definitely agree. Did you watch any pandemic movies during the pandemic? The only thing I watched was The Stand, the new Paramount Plus miniseries, which if you're following me on Twitter, I talk about all the fucking time. <laughs> and then I always, every year, watch The Stand, Mick Garris's brilliant miniseries he did in 94. That, oh. So I does, but that's it. I didn't want to, I didn't do that thing when it first started. I know everyone on Twitter was doing, but like, I'm going to watch contagion i'm gonna watch outbreak i'm gonna watch all these things i'm like i'm like just look outside just look at the news click on the news some people are dead like no i'm not gonna do that i, I oh. did that i did that oh, yeah. that's crazy Guilty. you're crazy <laughs> you are, you're crazy i also watched the movie the crazies the remake oh and... i love that oh so good that remake yeah. is so good. it doesn't get enough love yes it's i had never heard of it until i listened to the horror virgin talk about it oh um, have you seen the original? I have not seen the original, no. Romero? 
And if you've seen any Romero film, it's uh, definitely a George Romero movie. But uh, I like the sequel, I mean, the remake better. I mean, sorry, George, looking up to heaven. Uh, <laughs> because the crazy of my least favorite movies he made that people seem to love. It's good, and it's all about pretty much the same concept, but way different. And it just sort of ends. I don't like it, which I guess is very true to life. Like, there's no resolution, and there's no big clash, flashy finale. It's yeah. sort of like, all right, here you go. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite subgenre in horror? Paranormal stuff. I love ghost stuff. I always uh, have. I could go back to connecting that moment, which I didn't remember, but thinking I saw a ghost and then having someone who would never watch a horror movie in his life or read a horror book would help me write this ghost story. And just because he's like, oh, you believe in this and you're doing it. I'm like, it was beautiful. Very uh, cool. Uh, Speaking of horror novels, have you read any any of Paul Tremblay's books? I have not. I want to. Yeah, um, I keep I keep seeing people like posting about them on Instagram. I have not read in any of them either. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's he's on my radar. Uh, a lot of horror writers are on my radar. Um, I just I have this weird goal. My friend, uh, another one of my friends, who's reading every Stephen King book in order of publication. Hmm. Jeff, my friend Jeffrey, he's doing that, and uh, I think it's crazy. I'm trying to do it too, but I'm sort of just doing it. We're like, ah, I think I want to read this one now. <laughs> so my writing has, pre- I mean, my reading has been pretty much over the pandemic, especially has just been Stephen King related. Cause I'm like, this gives me a lot of time. I can sit down and dig through it. I got a new book yesterday. I'm halfway through that. And I, it's, just, I'm, it's such a quick read. It's insane. It's 500 pages, but I'm like, this is going by so fast. And it's a thriller. It's not a horror book. So. Oh, all right. It's well, in, it's insane how many books that man has written. Yeah, I, I, I hear. I can't fathom it because I try to write, and if it's like a journalist article or whatever, I'm like, and maybe this is me being lazy, but I get to a point where I'm like, I gotta stop. Or I'm gonna go insane. And that man's like, ah, I got six books coming out in the next year. You're like, what the fuck? How? <laughs> and how? And how are half of them really good? <laughs> he put two books out this year. He has a new book coming soon. So, or he's oh. working on his next book. Oh, that's amazing. I saw this uh, YouTube clip of him and George R. R. Martin, and they're sort of talking about the writing process. And I don't remember George R. R. Martin's like, "How many pages do you write today?" And Stephen King's like, "I have a limit. I have to write like X amount of words." And George R. R. Martin just sort of drops his job. He's like, how do you do it? And of course, you think about George R. R. Martin's pretty much written one series that he hasn't finished, where King's like, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, already on my, like, I write like 2,000 pages a day or something crazy. And then I, then, I, then I set it aside and I drink coffee with my wife and go for a walk, you know? It's just so funny to like think of the difference there and just seeing that happen, not live, but between two authors who are like, what the heck you know so yeah are you also a fan of like other fantasy novels like lord of the rings or anything like that i mean lord of the rings is amazing i i think it's a masterpiece and i think it it deserves to be as praised and loved as it is because it's pretty much such a good spin on the hero's journey 
that really lets you spend time with the Frodo and all the characters and you get to know them. And truly, you get immersed in a world. It's one of the best world-building books I've ever fucking read. Nice. So, in series. Yeah. Um, so you said you're a writer. Do you ever write anything that's horror-related? I do. Yeah, I'm actually working on a thing back to my grandpa. It's been a project I've been working for a couple of years on. It's going to be short stories that are all sort of related to that incident with the ghost. Another incident I had, which I believe was a ghost, was around 13 and then a couple of fictional stories that kind of tie it into the thread of ghosts, basically. So it's called The Ghost Book. I don't know when I'm ever going to finish it, but I love it. Nice. And it's for my grandpa. It's not for like, oh, I'm going to write this book and sell it on Amazon and make so much money. It's like, no, this is something I want to do for my grandpa to turn his love for me and his willingness to like sit there and do something that he could probably get two shits about, although he would never say shit. Uh, but he was just like, yeah, he's like, yeah, we're going to write this ghost story. And it's an awesome ghost story. It's, you, uh, yeah, do you want to tell it? It's because it's really cheesy and dumb. Um, it's about me walking home, walking to my grandparents' house, and seeing a ghost, going inside, telling my grandpa I saw a ghost. He's taking me outside to look for the ghost. Me seeing the ghost again. And then I'm pretty much like, oh, that that's John, and he used to live down the street. And then I created this backstory for John, who lived down the street, and he died in a car accident. And I'm like seven telling my grandpa the story. He's like, oh, okay, okay. And I don't know if I saw anything, but it's just like my brain was just cycling into the story. <laughs> and then it makes no sense because at one point, John comes to life, and we're just friends. And then it ends. Oh, cool. Well. Yeah. That sounds like a unique story. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's from the mind of a seven-year-old and written <laughs> like a seven-year-old writes. So. Oh, that's cute. So, so in the original book, I'm going to like, uh, at the end, I'm going to put that original story at the end of it. Even though uh, there's going to be an updated version of it that which starts it and then ends with like the original photocopied um, stick figures and wonderful storytelling that a seven-year-old only a seven-year-old can come up with clearly yeah. clearly <laughs> that's very cool do you have any favorite horror directors romero i love mike flanagan like everything he touches is gold um high of the hill house i guess tv work is awesome uh mick garris i think he doesn't get a lot of love and respect because he sort of does not even B-movies, but there's sort of a lot of Stephen King adaptations that are straight to TV. Uh, but he's just, he's an amazing person, and he's made some great films that I love. And his autobiography comes out next week, and I can't wait to read it, because it's just going to be inspiring, because that man started out working with Spielberg, got connected to Stephen King, was his, like, King's personal pick to adapt a lot of his stuff. Some of it's great, some of it's not great, but some of Stephen King's not great. There's books that Stephen King's written that I hate. Like, because he's written so many. And so, so there's adaptations I don't like. But as a person, Mick Garris has a podcast called Postmortem mm -hmm. uh, with Mick, Mick Garris. And I listen to that all the time. I love him. I really like Adam Green. I don't know if you've ever watched any Adam Green stuff. He did um, the Hatchet. He did the Hatchet movies. That I tried watching that once and it was just not, it was not for me. It's not my yeah, type. 
of yeah. movie. <laughs> he did this movie, which I think you would really dig. Uh, it's called Beneath the Marrow. It's sort of, um, it's got Ray Wise from Twin Peaks in it. Okay. And it's, Adam Green plays the main character, and it's about, like, him doing a new project, and he gets, like, this envelope that's saying, like, I know there's people who live underneath the ground. You need to help me find it. Hmm. And so it's sort of got a especially funny Mick Garris is in that movie in a brief <laughs> in a brief second. Um, and so it's uh, Joe Dante and uh, Tom Holland. So that he, but it's really good. It's funny. It's got great performances. It's sort of set up like a mockumentary, mm-hmm. and I think it's wonderful. And it's nothing like Hatchet. Okay, so. cool. I will have to check that out. Um, I do love uh, Frozen. Yeah, Frozen is great. Green. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was that was a brutal movie to watch. I would have screamed so hard if that was me. Oh, my God. Yeah, and think about it. It's like such a likely thing that could easily happen. Like, so easily it could happen. And you're like, holy, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, oh. so... Yeah, oh. so if you if you like Frozen, Beneath the Marrow is nothing like Frozen, but uh, it's not anything like Hatchet. So I like okay. Hatchet because I love the Friday Thirteenth movies. I like the Halloween, ah, eh, somewhat, and I somewhat like Nightmare on Elm Street. Although I love, love Wes Craven, I I think it goes in that order. I like Friday Thirteenth because you don't need to take it seriously, and then Hatchet's like a version of that type of film. You don't need to take it seriously. It's going to be gory. It's going to be stupid. But it's going to be full of heart and like full of practical effects and like that stuff just makes me happy. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so an article came out last year in the middle of the first part of the pandemic that said that horror movie fans uh, were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was? I think it goes back to what we were talking touched on earlier. I think it just we're already prepared for it. Like we're already prepared because we've spent our whole entire time watching the stuff that's scary. Like, so we're just like, okay. And then also a lot of us had so much more time to watch movies. Like we have, we have all these subscriptions that you can pay for, but now you're like, you know, I can just sit all day and watch shutter yeah. and watch a bunch of movies I've never seen before. And you're like, this is awesome. I mean, then your empathy kicks in. You're like, Oh, but like how many people died today? Uh, I can't really go outside and hang out with anyone. But I think for us, we're like, we're also an introvert, or maybe you're not. But it makes it so easy to be like, I, all I did was watch movies today, and that was awesome. Like, so I think we're already there, you know? Like, I think for a lot of people, it was like our dream. Like, or I could just sit and read all day. And I could escape into these worlds, which I didn't have time to before because I had responsibilities. And I know for a lot of people, it's really hard to be locked in for three months or however long. I was way longer. Luckily, Portland still takes this pretty seriously. Um, and I've, I'm really afraid what the fall is going to look like. But I felt like I was thinking of poor people in uh, other states who had to go back to work so quickly or had to do this stuff. And I'm like, that's too quick. Like, and you still, you kept on seeing the numbers rise. And you're like, why? And I know some people, God bless their souls, had a horrible horrible time when they had to be locked inside their house. I get it. I didn't. I did because I could feel sort of the energy and sort of the world sort of felt different. But I was able to sit and watch horror movies and read books. Like, I think that's the way horror fans are sort of able to handle it better because we 
That's what we want to do. We want to watch horror movies. Now they're like, oh, you have all this time to do it. They're like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. I watched like 200 horror movies over the last year. So mm-hmm. it was a lot. I, I also, I enjoyed lockdown because I was very lucky, but yeah, yeah I was like, I don't have to go out. I don't have to make plans with people. Yeah. It's awesome. You don't have to send that wake up and feel like crap and you don't want to go out, but you, you have to send like a text like, oh, I can't make it today because uh, you're like, yeah, I can't make it because the whole world is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> quote unquote, you know, with this yeah. disease that doesn't care. So I can't go hang out and go to your birthday party. Yeah. So I love that too. Um, although now I'm still just doing that. I'm like, I don't, I, I want to go out so rarely and I still just want to be smart about it. Even though I'm vaccinated, it just gets really, really scary. Um, yeah. Especially how many people won't get vaccinated and the new variants that keep on popping up. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, we have an opportunity to, to get through this. But, I re- and I also, I don't mean to get too political here, but I absolutely hate the fact that we could easily make it so everyone is fine. Like, money is a man-made construct that we've just decided to make up. Yeah. Like, we could easily be sending people enough money to survive. Mm-hmm. And why aren't we doing that? Because we want people to go work at McDonald's and maybe get sick for, in some place in the country, seven sixty nine or wherever the minimum wage is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it needs to change. And I was really hoping that's going to be a wake-up call. But the only wake-up call I'm still seeing, although Cory Bush today did this amazing thing with the student loan extension for uh pause on that and then they got a moratorium extended on evictions which is huge because i think something like 11 million people are going to be evicted Mm. and that is frightening and i feel so bad for people who outside of none of their control because no one had any choice of what that this was going to happen now you have a choice and you should get vaccinated and i don't really want to hear the argument why not but you know that's i'm done with that soapbox but i just you know yeah. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. And I, and I just want everyone to this is all temporary. Like you're gonna die at some point. Yeah. Don't you wanna don't you care about the person around you and you can build this we can build this beautiful world and make it a great place to be. But capitalism always wins. Yay. Yeah. Uh so, so frustrating. I, I yeah. found out recently that uh, a friend of mine, she has COVID right now because she didn't get vaccinated. She wasn't comfortable. And I was like, why weren't you comfortable? She was like, I just wasn't, but now I am. I was like, all right, well. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I really, I hope it happens. I hate that it became a political thing. And I know I say that after I go on this whole political spiel, but I just hate the fact that this is a fucking disease that doesn't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, anarchist, Muppet. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like it's, 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 it's a disease that could wipe you out like that. Uh, anyways, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, so if you're listening and you're not vaccinated yet, what's wrong with you? Go get vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate to be that, you know, because I'm a firm believer in people doing what they should do. But it's like, it's very clear that we're failing each other. Yeah. And... So I want to have empathy and support, but I just don't because it's like when you're little, you got a bunch of 
vaccines you didn't even know you got in your arm. Yeah. It's not, this isn't a cure, which is another thing I was sort of getting frustrated with, where I was like, I'm vaccinated, I can go buck wild. I'm like, no, it's not a cure. It's just going to help you. Like, it's, a, it's an aid to if you do get it, you're most, you're most likely not going to die, and your sickness is not going to be nearly as bad as it would be if you didn't have it. But it's so it gets frustrating. That's why I meet some words on Twitter just because I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with it. Especially when everyone was getting vaccinated and you're like going out to LA. And I think about this all the time. All the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the bar. It's awesome. Now LA is like a thousand cases a day. You have to wear a mask when you go anywhere. Uh, Portland, you don't, but it's heading in that direction. Everywhere is. And and it's because we just rush into things. I mean, it's very human <laughs> to rush into things, but yeah. 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 Um, I'm in New York City. And so I think starting on September 13th, you're going to have to be vaccinated to eat inside a restaurant or go into a gym mm -hmm. and everything like that. So I'm so excited. How do you decide what horror movie to watch when you're looking for something to watch? Ah, great question. Um, I use, I use a lot of recommendations on Twitter. I was reviewing a lot of movies uh, over the pandemic, too. So some of those would be screeners, and I'd get to watch those. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's right about them. That was a lot of fun. Doing that a little less now. But I would just sort of be like, oh, someone talked about the movie in 1976 I've never heard of. Find out where it's playing, on um, what streaming app, or if I have to, rent it, and then just watch that. Or, like, you know, I really want to rewatch Scream. I'm going to watch that. Or I want to, you know, I've never seen the Phantasm series. I'm going to watch all those. That sort of thing. Nice. <laughs> Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? Yes, and I'm trying to think of what ones. I, I don't like um, anything Eli Roth has really done. Okay. I don't think I'd, I wouldn't rewatch any of those. Um, the closest one I might come to rewatching is Knock Knock, even though I didn't like the movie. I might rewatch that. that. Uh, yeah, it came out in 2013, I think. It has Keanu Reeves. Hmm. Um, and then I will never watch uh, The Last House on the Left. I fucking hate that oh, movie with God. all my heart. I hate it, and I don't think it deserves any accolades. And this is coming from like a Wes Craven, like, I was a devotee of his work. I think it's a fucking garbage movie and I won't fucking watch it ever. I own it on, I bought a Blu-ray of it because Arrow released a Blu-ray. I threw it on. Even the special features, I'm like, I don't want to fucking pay attention to this movie. It's fucking piece of shit rapist. Like, this isn't fun. Like, that's the subgenre I really have a hard time with. The rape revenge. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's any point to it. I understand that Sadly, it's a part of the world and it fucking is terrible. And, you know, if that ever happens to you, I'm so fucking sorry. But I don't need to watch a movie where the, the context is such an aggressive version of that. And to me, there's not really any empathy or care at all. Like, there's nothing there that connects you to that girl. And then it's about her parents pretty much being sadistic killers to revenge avenge their daughter it's fucking stupid yeah so. i didn't i didn't realize what the movie was before my friend and i watched it one day like i think it was like july 4th weekend and we put it on and then we we're like oh my god 
This is so yeah. brutal. And it's just one of those movies where like everyone, every horror fan I talk to is like, I've seen it. I never need to watch it again. Yeah. So. And I know, and I know there are people who love it and I'm, I would honestly love to discuss why. And I, cause I don't get it. Like I, but I feel like there has to be a reason why people like it. And it can't just be, Oh, I love Wes Craven. It was his first movie. I'm like, yeah, he did porn before that. Do you watch his porn movies? Like, <laughs> so have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so blessed because I don't know if you know the Hollywood theater. Um, it is like an, an amazing nonprofit that I've been going to for years here. It just reopened up. I'm still hesitant to go. Uh, they make you wear masks, which I love. And I think it's great. Um, but they play a bunch of like cool stuff and they play, have 70 millimeter. So you can go see a screen like movie that's made in 70 millimeter on a screen that could actually play it and it's so beautiful oh wow but i uh even though i don't like him i went to see the hateful eight and quentin tarantino just happened to be at the theater and got up and talked and no one knew it was going to be there and then after the movie i went to this bar which is no longer there and he was just drinking there so i sat down and talked to him for a few minutes and it was just like surreal but i was like i don't even like this guy's movies like, I wasn't even that excited. I was just like, it's just so random. Because he basically got up and talked about how this theater is amazing. This is the way you're supposed to see it. It had intermission and all this stuff. And it was like, and then pretty pretty much told me that same spiel, drinking a beer. He was drinking tequila, I think, or something. And I was drinking a beer. And he just sort of went to the same spiel. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great, great, great. The back of my mind, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> it's for someone else. They're like, holy fuck, holy shit. He's like my hero. And I'm like, that's great. And he's not a horror guy, but his movies have never done it for me. So that's just how I am. Yeah, um, I'm not really familiar with him. Did he do um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched that. It's the only film of his I've ever seen. And I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. I was, I was so bored. You have to like feet. You have to like feet. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, not my, not um, my thing. <laughs> he's not, he's not my thing. Uh, he did kill Bill. A lot of his stuff is made extremely well, and I will give him that. It just doesn't resonate with me, and I know it resonates with a ton of people, and I love that. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a really um, cool story. I would have, yeah. I would have spoken to him too if I would have recognized him. Which yeah. there's, there, that's questionable. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, so that's one of the unique experiences that I've also just had like I just remember seeing um uh what was that Alex Garland movie crap the one uh with the robot played by and like it's out in the middle of the forest Oscar Isaac's in it Dominic Moynihan or Annihilation? No, not him no not, the, the one before Annihilation Ex uh, uh, Machina yeah I saw that one and even though in hindsight now I don't like it as much, when I saw that movie, for that however long it was, I felt like I was transported to a different world. And it was just the screening, it was the way it was, it was the sound. I was like, I don't think I don't think I'm me anymore. Like I felt like I've morphed into the film. So that's very cool. Have yeah. you been back to the movie theaters yet? I just saw the Suicide Squad 
last night. Ah, oh, um, nice. Yeah. Uh, love James Gunn, so had to do it. And John Cena follows me on Twitter. I don't know why, but I always tag him and stuff as my friend John Cena. And so far, <laughs> he hasn't unfollowed me yet. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Oh, I loved it. I yeah. thought it was so much fun. It felt like a trauma film, but with like a budget that was insane, and it felt like a comic book movie. Okay, yeah, that it looks like a comic book movie, isn't that? Isn't the Suicide it is, it Squad? Is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it is, but um, it, it really reminded me of trauma films, which uh, Lloyd Kaufman and James Gunn got to start there. So it just felt like a big budget trauma film, which is insane. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I. I was looking forward to seeing it. I think I'm going to stream it this weekend, mm-hmm. but I was looking forward to seeing it because I really love Pete Davidson. And then one of my friends was like, he dies right away. Sorry, spoiler alert. And so yeah. I watched the first like five minutes last night until he died. And then I was like, yeah. I'm good for now. But yeah, <laughs> that beginning is amazing. And I don't want to spoil it. We spoiled Pete's death, but uh, it's, <laughs> I was like in my seat watching IMAX and I was just so happy. And it's weird to be so happy when you're watching people be murdered. You're like, but I was just like ear to ear grinning. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, this is exactly what I wanted. And then it continued to be that. It continues to grow and grow. And uh, it's, I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Hey, awesome. before that, I saw, uh, sorry. The only other movie I've seen in theater since then was uh, two of them. Uh, and one, don't ask me why, I saw Snake Eyes. And then the one before that was uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Which oh, I had okay. a lot of fun. Yeah, they did like a limited screening for that. And I was like, fuck it, I'll go. And I had a lot of fun with that one. Very cool. I haven't seen Snake Eyes. I heard it was okay. No. But no. no? Okay. No. no. And then I'm going to go see The Green Knight on top of a uh, mall parking lot outside. So it's going to be weird. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. How do I get invited to screenings like that? Damn. You live in places like Portland and Los Angeles. <laughs> I guess New York New York has to have them though, you know. Yeah. Mm. I'll have to I'll have to meet the right people for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh so what is your favorite horror movie been so far uh 2021? You know what it is? It's it's the wrong turn movie. Oh, really? Yeah, I I and a lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was fucking great. Okay, like that cool. was fine. And then my other one was Jacob's Wife, which is uh, Barbara Crampton and uh, Larry mm-hmm. Fessenden. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. I haven't. I watched the original Wrong Turn a few months ago. Finally, I rented mm-hmm. it, but I haven't watched the remake. I hear that it's very gory. It's pretty. It's not that gory. Um, and it's nothing like any of the other ones in the series. So. Okay. It, it, and it really has a message that sort of gets muddled, but it's really one of those movies where, like, you know, because that movie's all about, like, being in Hick, Hickville and you get, got to get tracked or kidnapped or whatever in those movies, and then the townsfolk sort of fuck with you. This one sort of really, like, turns that on its head, and I thought they did a really cool job, but they didn't stick to it in a lot of ways, but still, as an experience, I think it's my favorite horror film I've seen this year. All right, cool. Well, that that is high high praise. Yeah. So maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the flip side, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in the second half of twenty twenty one? Uh, Candyman. 
hundred percent. You had to cost with Katie, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very common answer that I'm getting when I talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I didn't like the Halloween remake or whatever it was. It didn't do it for me. So I'm, I'm going to see it, but I, it's, it's not calling my name. Yeah. So. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Are you going to go see Don't Breathe 2? No. Oh. I, haven't, I haven't seen the first one. Oh, I know yeah. I, I know the controversy behind it, and it's, yeah. I just don't know if I like it. It's a really good movie. <clears throat> okay. Um, it, yeah, I, th- I think it's worth watching. I don't know any of the controversy behind it. I've never done any research on it, but I watched it. It was traumatizing yeah. to me, but I think it's worth a watch. And, and then the controversy in the sequel, which I is they uh, apparently are trying to pitch the Blind guy is the good guy, but I don't think that's true. No, I, I've heard yeah. it. I've heard people say that that's not actually. That's just what the trailer is doing. Mm-hmm. That's not actually the case. So hopefully that's true. Yeah, and maybe I'll watch it, and then maybe I will see the sequel. But it's never called to me. Yeah, just like the A Quiet Place. I saw it, didn't care. I haven't seen the sequel. Okay. Not, not for me. <laughs> that's fair. Um, are there any horror movies that you loved that people generally don't like, or do you have any unpopular horror movie opinions? Oh, I have a ton. Um, uh, I, I think I like. I think a lot of people would not say they like the remake of the Crazies more than the original. I do. I think it's. I think Timothy Olyphant is perfect. I think it is a pitch perfect movie. Um, I think. Uh, what, what, what other ones? I mean, there's a ton. And like, I always defend movies all the time on Twitter. I'm like, hey, I love this because it means something to me. Or, you know, I really like, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Maybe it's because I just watched too many movies. Um, like, I love Scream 4. A lot of people say that's their least favorite of that series. And then those are two examples we've already talked about. But there's always a movie that, like, I watch and I just, it hits me at some level. If I feel emotional connection to a character or I really like a performance, even if the movie fucking sucks and everything's like, this is the biggest piece of shit ever. If I have that little bit of thing that hooks me, I'll be like, no, I love it. And you can hate it, but I love it. <laughs> I'm like, what's a, yeah. I'm trying to think of a good example of that because it happened recently with a movie. Oh, uh, the Child's Play remake. Oh, okay. A lot of people hated that movie. Uh, there was something about it that I just loved. I mean, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't great, but I thought it was good. And, and I thought Aubrey Plaza's performance was really wonderful, and it hooked me in. I cared about the character. I cared about what was going on in her son's life. I cared about all of it to the point where I was like, I'm invested. And that's enough. Wait, if I could get invested for the hour and 20 minutes, that's enough for me to overlook the fact that we don't. Then our Brad Dura's voice is Mark Hamill. Well, why are you mad about Mark Hamill doing it? It's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I saw that. It's actually the only child's play movie that I've ever seen. Um, uh, I've actually you, what? Oh, you gotta you gotta see the original. Oh, uh, I don't know. You do. Um, <laughs> you do. Maybe. All um right. I heard a lot of people complain and say that if they wouldn't have called it a child's play movie they would have liked it better. Well, yeah, but it's kind of silly because it's got Chucky in it, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? Carnival of Souls. One of the greatest movies of all time, um, in my opinion. And you yeah. still want to remake it? Yeah. Okay. It needs an update, I think, a little. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, well, I know this has been done a million times. Uh, the Turning of the Sparrow has been told a million times, but the, uh, is it called The Haunting? Or, no, the, the Innocence? The Innocence. The 1964 version. I would like to remake that version of it. I saw, I saw The Turning. I think it was the last movie that I saw in theaters before lockdown. It was not good. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. But that's one of those movies that, like, there are scenes in that movie that I defend. And I, like, I thought the actor who played the main character, the uh, governess, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. I thought she was phenomenal. I thought the kids were phenomenal. Yeah. I thought they, I thought acting-wise, everyone knew what they were doing. And it worked. They just fucking could not stick any landing or make any goddamn sense of the script. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked it except for the ending. Yeah. Well, it just and, ended. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay. What did I waste all this time? Did you yeah. see The Lodge? Yes. That was the last movie I saw in theaters before the pandemic. And that movie i've only watched it once has stuck with me in a way that films don't usually stick with me Ah. i i own it now but i can't watch it again i watched it um in the winter with the windows open it was Mm. it was the way to watch it i liked Mm -hmm. it it didn't it didn't stick with me as much as i think it seems like it stuck with you but i still thought it was really good um, but I was I was really disappointed that Alicia Silverstone didn't last. Me too. I really I, it, thought it was going to be like her as the mom, sort of. Yeah. So. Yeah, and said it was a uh, Elvis's granddaughter. Yeah. Oh, that that's who that is. Yeah, Riley oh, wow. uh, Riley Keough. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh. And she was phenomenal in that. I I really loved it. Uh, I just remembered something that ties into Stephen King, and that everyone hates. That I fucking love. It Chapter Two. Oh, I, I love It de- Chapter Two. I will defend, and a lot of King fans don't, a lot of movie fans don't. I think it is fucking perfect. Yeah, there's too much CGI, but it was the perfect encapsulation of what I wanted. I love the first one too, but it, I love Chapter Two more. I loved it. I loved how it felt like the book where it sort of goes back and forth between them as kids and then them as adults. I love that it's really long. I love that it spends time with each character. I think it's great. I think Bill Hader's phenomenal in it. I think all the adult actors are phenomenal in it. I think all the kid actors are phenomenal in it. I think Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise is perfection. So <laughs> so that's one that I, I will be like, I love it. I don't care. You can hate it. Yeah. For me, it's awesome. I love it. Um, I loved and, it too. It It's I could have sat there for another hour. So. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I want to. Uh, the director said there's like a six-hour version. Yeah. One movie. And I'm like, if we can get the Snyder Cut, Warner Brothers, please dole out Andy some money to have him release a six-hour version. Because yeah. I will fucking eat that up. I'll pay $50 to watch it. I don't care. Yeah, I want the Muschietti cut. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I would... 
go to a theater for six hours and I'd watch it. I don't care how much I have to pay. I will sit in a theater and I will not leave. I don't need an intermission. Just take me on this journey back to Derry. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we get that, you know, yeah. at some point. <laughs> Seems highly unlikely, but I would love it. Um, oh. uh, I think you should read it at some point. There's a scene in that book, and I'm sure you probably know, that is the grossest, dumbest thing that's ever been in a book, in my opinion. Uh, when they're kids, they, for some oh, reason, Oh, yeah, decide, the, the, yeah, the orgy? Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck yeah. that. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> but it, it's an amazing book, but what the fuck? It's like the thing where, like, and it's like, oh, you love Stephen King? I'm like, yeah. I think, I hate Christine. I don't, I hate that book. I hate the movie. I, I don't think it's good. It's not for me. Kudo I like, but that's because I like dogs, and I'm rooting for the dog that kills a fucking kid. I'm like, I'm a monster. I'm rooting for a dog that kills a kid. Well, I mean, as but, long as the dog lives. So my last question is, if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Or, oh, holy shit. That's a fucking great question. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Randall Flagg. He's from The Stand, and he's also in the Dark Tower books. Um, I, would, I, would, I would choose Randall Flagg, the antagonist. Uh, and I've always thought about that because, you know, I don't know if you know the stand, pretty much the world gets killed by a plague. And then good people go to Nebraska and then to Colorado. And then bad people follow flag to Vegas. I've actually, I've thought about this a lot. I'm like, where would I go? Like, I don't know. And I'm like, but I guess I'd answer that if I would hang out with him during a pandemic, I guess I'd be going to Vegas. So. Uh. That sounds going to Vegas anytime sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank so you. much, so much fun. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Yeah. Uh, I only have one social media and that's my Twitter, which is at Justin underscore Drabeck. And then that's it. I got rid of Facebook. I got rid of Instagram. It feels good. But uh, it's so funny. Cause I was just visiting California and actually, I'm really glad I didn't have it. Uh, there's a huge wildfire house, and my mom's house might be destroyed. A lot of chaos that went on on that trip, uh, the Dixie Fire. But uh, we ended up going down in the Bay Area because we had to be evacuated. I had a bunch of friends who live in the Bay Area, but I only had contacted them through Facebook, and I don't have Facebook anymore. So I'm like, maybe I should have written down people's phone numbers or, you know, no. ways to get a hold of them. Yeah. Uh. So, other than that, I'm so glad I don't have Facebook is my message. But then I'm like, if you do delete it, if there's people only contact through there, find a way to contact them and let them know you're leaving. Don't just delete it like I did. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's good advice and good for you yeah. for deleting Facebook. And yeah, I hope your mom's house is okay. Uh, it's not looking good, but I hope so too. And you know what? They're fine. Uh, my mom and stepdad, they're currently in New York. My grandma lives in that uh, 30 minutes away. She's in a town that's safe. We set up an evacuation plan if she needs to leave. So she's 90 and my uh, the grandpa I talked about earlier, it's his wife. So I got to spend two weeks with her, which is amazing because I don't spend a lot of time with her. And so there was really a lot of good that happened, except for the fact that everything's burning. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. 
That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Justin Drebeck, and thanks again to Justin for coming on. Um, I'll leave a link to his Twitter in the show notes so you can chat with him there if you want to about more Stephen King goodness. Again, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod, or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast, or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at hello at whostherepodcast.com. Until next time, stay scary and get vaccinated.